It's a great day to smash the patriarchy and tell incredible stories of amazing women. I'm Carissa. And I'm Elise, and welcome to the Riveting Rosies podcast. I personally am super excited to do a kind of a co-op episode with you. Um, Elise had sent a reel on Instagram from the account Femme Rock about an all-girl rock group from the 70s, and since I'm supposed to be going down to a concert this weekend to see an all-girl group called The Beaches, oh my um, God. this felt super appropriate to celebrate women of music, especially rock and roll. So we will be telling you about the all-girl group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. According to their website, fannyrocks.com, Fanny was the first all-female rock act to record an entire album for a major record label and released five albums for major labels. The original four members of Fanny included sisters June and Jean Millington, Alice de Burr, 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 and Nikki Barclay. June and Jean had moved to Sacramento from the Philippines in 1961. Their father was an American naval officer, and their mother was a Filipina socialite, is how she was described, which I thought was delightful. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, once they moved to the U.S., because they had a white father and a Filipina mother, they faced a great deal of racism and discrimination in their youth, and so they began to play the ukulele in order to make friends more easily. And I apologize for the background noise. My husband is clinkety-clanking downstairs with his water (laughs) bottle hitting his crutches. Oh, no. (laughs) That's okay. Well, while we're waiting for that, I'll interject a quick anecdote here that I found while I was reading some of the sources. So apparently one of the sisters had a boyfriend. Yes, I saw that too. Okay, yeah. So the father of the boyfriend was basically like, you need to quit dating. And I think the quote that they used was like half breed girl or something like you need to stop dating her. And if I like, I will give you a car to stop. I will buy you. Yeah. He said, he said, I will give you a Mustang if you stop seeing that half breed girl and the boy being an idiot ended up picking a Mustang. Anyway, listen, we're all for Mustangs, but not for racism. And so I do hope that he, like, I do hope that car was, you know, broken down, stolen. I hope it was one of the the shitty Mustangs that did not age well. And also I hope that the seats were uncomfortable. Um, So clearly June and or Jean, whichever one was dating that boy was Mm -hmm. better off without him because while in high school, they formed Svelte, an all female brand band, I'm sorry, an all-female band that also featured Brie Brandt, who would leave the group after a little while to get married, but later rejoined the spinoff group Fanny Walked the Earth. Also, I believe it's Brie, one of the gals who inevitably, like, became one of the band members but wasn't a permanent member, married, what's his name, John Newton Howard, the composer? I got you. Well, I got, okay, I'll perfect. talk about it later. Anyway, mm-hmm. well, I saw that and I was like, I think Elise will appreciate that. <laughs> so the Millington sisters joined their svelte bandmate, Addie Lee, and future Fanny member, Alice de Burr, in a group called Wild Honey. So svelte kind of disbanded. Addie went over to form Wild Honey with Alice and then was like, hey, I know these two really cool girls that I used to play with, Jean and June, let me bring them in. So they formed Wild Honey. 
Wild Honey, and they moved from Sacramento down to L.A., where they would go around playing gigs doing Motown covers. And they were really struggling with a lack of recognition or frequently being overlooked by male acts. Surprise. So Wild Honey was like, we're not really making, you know, we're not making our big break. We're not having a ton of luck. Mm -hmm. I think we need to play, like, you know, we're scheduled for this one last gig. We'll play it. But then I think after that, we need to call it quits. Yeah. And it was at this gig that they were spotted by a representative of the famous producer, Richard Perry. So this representative ran to Richard and was like, dude, I got a great act for you. Like, we need to sign him immediately. So Perry convinced Warner Brothers Records to sign Wild Honey to the label without the label actually ever hearing them play. Like, they didn't play a demo. Richard didn't bring one for them. He didn't bring them into play or anything like that. He was like, it's an all-girl group. I'm like, I love him. I think you're going to love him. And Warner Brothers was like, awesome. So, Well, apparently, I'm going to stop you there. So apparently Warner Brothers thought that they would be more of a novelty act rather yes. than like a real band kind of deal. And so I think that's why they kind of, I think unfortunately that's why they signed them, you know, sight unseen, unheard, mm-hmm. but it did work out for them, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. So once they were sealed to Warner Brothers, the act was restructured to include Nikki Barclay on keyboards and returned Brie Brandt to lead vocals and drums. But Brie was actually later dismissed by Perry because Perry thought that if they kept the group limited to four people, it would be more akin and kind of mimic the structure of the Beatles and like four person groups were having a lot of success at the time. So he was like, I think this would be better off if we only had four people. So they Mm -hmm. got rid of Brie. And once she was dismissed because she was the lead vocalist, the vocals were then shared between June, Jean, and Nikki. And then Mm -hmm. Alice later on in their later albums also took on some of the lead vocals as well. Now, the band was renamed Fanny and was installed for recording at a... I just about died whenever I read this. They had them set up for recording at a mansion previously owned by former Rosie Hetty Lamar. Which I love. (laughs) Like, destiny at its finest. I'm here for it. So, while the band name Fanny was chosen, they chose it because they're like, yes, the American slang represents, you know... Um, we are choosing it to represent instead a female, like the female spirit. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until they began to tour around Europe that they realized that Fanny is actually the English slang term for female genitalia. But like, let's be serious. We'd still be talking about them if they named themselves the vagina or like the clitori or whatever Love the plural it. is for clitoris. Like we'd still Love be it. talking about them. They could be the ovaries or the uteri and we'd still be talking about them today. So like more mm-hmm. power to Fanny. And the initial lineup um, was, as far as the instruments, um, because did I say that already? No, not yet. Okay, cool. So um, once they were renamed, once they had Brie kicked out of the band, unfortunately, the initial lineup was comprised of June was on guitar, Jean was on bass, Alice was on drums, and Nikki was on the keyboard. And like Mm -hmm. we said, they shared lead vocal responsibilities. Alice took on more of those in some of the later albums. And what I thought was interesting, I apologize, I don't know if you have this in your notes later, 
but someone, and I feel like it was a, like, it was a famed musician at this time as well, but someone was very impressed because it's a four-person group, so you do have to share responsibilities, and even if you're playing, like, the guitar, you still might have to play multiple melodies or, like, different parts of the song to make it all mesh together. Mm -hmm. And they commented on how impressed they were because not only did June play the rhythm guitar, but she also played like the melody, the lead guitar. And they thought it was just so impressive that she was able to jump back and forth and wear both hats as easily as what she did. Mm -hmm. So Fanny released their self-titled album, Fanny in 1970 and they appeared on the album mad dogs and englishmen by joe cocker who was a singer who also toured with fanny as a backup singer and then their second album charity ball was released in 1971 and reached number 40 on the billboard hot 100 they also would go on to play as session musicians for barbara streisand's 1971 barbara jones streisand album And I don't know what you did when you typed up your notes, but I listened to Fanny while I was typing up my notes, and I dig them. I'm really bummed that we never heard about them until today, because, like, I dig their stuff. Well, I feel like this is just another artist to add to our, like, my repertoire, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I did think it was cool. I don't know if Barbara Streisand necessarily, like, handpicked Fanny fanny to play for this album but apparently she very specifically wanted session musicians from like a smaller band to play on the album and so that's kind of how like fanny and barbara streisand came together so their third album fanny hill was released in 1972 and like they had been gathering notoriety and steam up to this point so for this third album they really started bringing in like kind of some big names to help with the production process which is really cool so the engineer for the beatles jeff emmerich served as like a sound engineer they covered so fanny covered music by the beatles and marvin gay so hey bulldog by the beatles and then ain't that particular by marvin gay Or sorry, yeah, Peculiar, whoopsies. And Ain't That Peculiar reached number 85 on Billboard Hot 100. And they also had a saxophonist and a brass player from the Rolling Stones play on the album with them, which is pretty dang cool. Ain't That Peculiar was the first song that played on Spotify when I pulled them up. And I was like, oh, this is a Oh my god! Perfect, perfect. So uh, their next album was released the next year, which they must have just been hustling in the studio to just crank out all this music. So album number four, Mother's Pride, released 1973. And unfortunately, by this time, the band was kind of starting to experience some of the strains that I'm sure come with just being a band and all the stuff that goes along with that. So June reports that she felt constrained by this kind of group structure that they had and also pressured by the record label to conform to a particular image of how they felt that a woman you know like rocker should basically like act and dress so she actually then quit the band but insisted that fanny play on and she brought in patty quattro who we'll talk about in a bit to replace her on guitar so at this point june has now left Patty Quattro has replaced her. 
Unfortunately, then, Alice also left the band and was replaced by Brie Brandt, came back to the band, and so she played drums for a bit. So this new kind of organization, or I guess compilation of band members, released the fifth and final Fanny album called Rock and Roll Survivors in 1974. And they had two songs on it that that reached a status on Billboard Hot 100. So the song I've Had It reached number 79. And Butter Boy, which apparently Gene wrote about David Bowie, reached number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100, which ultimately became their biggest, most popular hit at the time. Now, sadly, by the time that Butter Boy actually made it on this list, the band had officially split. So Brie left the band when the album was done. Um, This is when she got married to James Newton Howard and was replaced briefly by Cam Davis. Cam Davis kind of played for a bit and then basically the band was done. So it was like brief, brief appearance and then that was kind of it. And Nikki didn't think that the band worked without June, because if you recall, June had left previously. And so that's when Nikki left. And I believe actually Nikki might have retired from music altogether. I can't remember. Yeah, that's correct. So I'll come back to that here shortly. Now, while they were making music, while they were touring, while they were releasing albums, they actually had many famous fans, including previously mentioned David Bowie, who invited them to a concert after party where he apparently showed off his mime skills. Incredible. And and I didn't know that he had mime skills, but apparently he was like, watch this fanny. (laughs) And it must have left quite a mark on the group because obviously they they wrote a song about him. Right? So, I mean, future Rosie... Leslie Ann Jones, who we will definitely be covering at some point. I already point. copy and pasted her name oh. into our list. <laughs> Excellent. So we've got that on the on our docket. Leslie acted as their road manager and sound mixer when they embarked on some of their global tours. And so this included opening for acts such as Jethro Tull, Slade, and Humble Pie. And while I can't necessarily say that I've heard about some of these bands are really know a whole lot about them. I have heard of Jethro Tull. And so I do feel like I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like this is big. And we've talked about the Rolling Stones a bit, too. Yeah. David Bowie, obviously, like there's quite a few famous fans. Like very high really... caliber musicians who yes. were like fans of their music. Right, right. And so they also appeared on some TV shows, including the Sunny and Cher show future Rosie Cher, and American Bandstand, which is, again, like, well, that's pretty cool. So American Bandstand, which I think of American Bandstand being in, like, the 50s and 60s, and Greece, maybe not so much right? the 70s, but I listened to a podcast called American Scandal, and one of the seasons is they talk about American Bandstand. It's called, the season's called, like, Payola, and it's all about bribery, like, within Gosh. the music industry, and, like, when it was, you know, and it's, like, in the 40s and 50s and how it's continued on into today. Very interesting, but one thing that they talk about is American Bandstand and how, um... What was his name? Jerry Lee Lewis? Was that the host of it? I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, because I don't actually know that. Or was it Dick Clark? I think it was Dick Clark. I couldn't tell you. Anyway, they're talking about American Bandstand and how the dude who originally hosted American Bandstand, which now that I say it out loud, I'm inclined to say Dick Clark, but I could be wrong. But how 
he it talks a lot about like the politics behind the music industry as a whole but how like the host of american bandstand managed to keep this like very intentionally managed to keep this squeaky clean reputation so that way they wouldn't be brought down with all this bribery came to light so they found like other ways around like very they were legal but like just barely and it was it was really interesting so that's like that's now what i think of whenever i see american bandstand it's like all the politics behind it but then also i'm like wasn't that the 50s and 60s whereas i know that they were like from 70 to 75 primarily right hmm ah i'm gonna have to listen to that now because i do love a good like it's yeah like frankly i do love a good bribery and scandal (laughs) listen listeners like we love having you here like please keep coming back but if you want something that's maybe a little more scandalous maybe even a little more well put together highly recommend how dare you (laughs) how dare you (laughs) highly recommend american scandal because they talk about all kinds of crazy shit because they talk about like within the reagan like there's one with the reagan administration oh my god contra iran or the iran contra one of those one mm-hmm. format or the other but that whole scandal there's one about because i actually told you because i thought that your husband would really enjoy it it's about doping in the baseball industry in the 80s and the oh, 90s and I how this one dude came out with like a new steroid scandal. that wasn't getting picked up on tests and so like all of these athletes were going to him and there's like olympians who are now kind of like but we're like we have records that they were seeing this person but they like never tested positive for anything but they also got like records like they achieved records while they were racing or you know competing or whatever and like oh my god <clears throat> i'm just saying i didn't suspicious. think that i would enjoy a season about like bribery within the music industry but i was listening to that and i was like holy shit like next episode please oh man okay definitely gonna cue that up because yeah i i see them on like recommended podcasts i've just never pulled the plug so anyways, i happened to pull it up it. one day when i was going for a run and i was like this is actually quite fascinating <laughs> nice all right back to fanny anyway so once fanny split sisters june and jean which i do love a good sister act I mean, just in anything, but especially this. They reunited for a new spin on Fanny for a very brief tour. So ultimately, this new group that they formed then transformed into a new band called LA All-Stars, again, with all women, like only women members. Now, unfortunately, the band didn't get very far because record labels only wanted them to play old Fanny songs and tour as Fanny. So even though they weren't Fanny, they basically wanted them to just go back to being being Fanny. Fanny. Yeah. So June refused and then went on to release actually three solo albums in the 80s. And then, I don't know if it was necessarily same time or after this, also worked as a producer for various artists in the music scene. Jean was briefly married to David Bowie's guitar player, Earl Slick. I don't know how long this lasted. I didn't look into it. She became an herbalist and then also continued recording with her sister. Um, They released an album in 2011 called Play Like a Girl. Oh, yeah. And June's record label, Fabulous Records, produced it. We do stand just a power entrepreneurial spirit here. Kind of follow up on some of the other band members. So Nikki Barclay released a solo album in 1976 called Diamond in a Junkyard and then retired seemingly from the music world. Like she doesn't seem like she's done a whole lot since then. Alice DeBure 
began working in music marketing and even promoted groups like the Go-Go's who cited Fanny as their inspiration for getting into music and performing, which is just so dang cool. Patty Quattro, who joined Fanny kind of later after one of the sisters left, continued playing music with her sister, Susie Quattro, who is also another famous musician and singer. We'll probably have to cover them at some point. Brie Brant, who is now Brie Darling, so that is what she goes by now, just so we're clear, was the front runner for the band American Girls, and then later Boxing Gandhis. What a name. What a name. And she also acted in the 1982 movie called Android, and she also has a daughter named Brandy Brant, who is a Playboy playmate, which I found interesting. Hmm. So we're just kind of all over the map on here. Now, fast forward, Rhino Records released First Time in a Long Time, which was a CD box collection from 2002. So, I mean, just picture it in your mind, Carissa. This is like primo 2000s box set DVD. Well, actually, this is technically, I think, CD. Just goodness, just gold here. So collection on Fanny's studio albums, as well as like concert footage, behind the scenes footage, outtakes, and more in 2002. In 2007, Jean, June, and Alice performed in a reunion concert that was held at the Berklee College of Music in Boston, where they also received the Rocker Girl Women of Valor Award, which Yes, please. Where can I get one of these? Where can I get more information about this? In 2016, Brie, June, and Jean performed live, which then led to the formation of a new band, which we briefly mentioned earlier, called Fanny Walked the Earth. And they released their self-titled album in 2018. And this was the first time that these three women had recorded together in almost 50 years, which is so dang exciting. Fanny has a documentary on PBS, which you can stream, called Fanny the Right to Rock. Fanny performed earlier this year, May of 2023, at the Yerba Buena Gardens. And for so many reasons, like we briefly mentioned previously, Fanny was such an, an anomaly in the 70s when they really just exploded onto the scene. And for many journalists and music critics, they were they were kind of confusing, and largely because there were no penises among them, right? It was a group of all women who weren't just playing, I think, some of the, like, softer music or even, like, softer right. styles and that was of what thing, some other women groups did. Yeah, and that was one thing that made them so unique was that they didn't do, like, they didn't dress, like, very, you know, they weren't like hypersexualized in their song content or their appearance, but they very much mm -hmm. came onto the scene and were like, no, we want to play rock and roll and like we want to dress how we want to and like we want to dress mm -hmm. like 70s rocker chicks basically. And that, you know, like right. you said, was very confusing because even for like female groups that existed at the time or bands that had a female member, that was not necessarily like what the vibe had been up until that mm -hmm. point. Mm hmm. You know, and I 
I don't know how much this necessarily contributed, but I do feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention like some of the group members were actually are actually they're not they're not dead are actually queer. And that was something like they did have to keep kind of under wraps because even though, you know, like the 70s were a time of like more free love it still wasn't very well accepted Mm -hmm. that to have like queer members especially on such an international stage kind of situation so while many members of the press and frankly like i think just of the public were confused and concerned frankly that there was this all-women group who were rocking really hard, they did find some really important fans. We've already talked about some of their more famous, you know, like fans, but I did really appreciate in 1971. So this was early on in the career. They had a concert review written about them that was titled Fanny, a four girl rock group poses a challenge to male ego. And if that is not just the summary of this whole situation, I mean, my God. (laughs) perfection. (laughs) And there was a statement by another really well-respected music, I guess, like critic or writer of of that time named Steve Peacock, who said, if you close your eyes, it's like listening to the stones. And again, this marks a really big departure from a lot of how a lot of like other, I guess, excuse me, all female groups were performing at the time. So really exciting breaking a lot of, you know, just rock glass ceilings in a cool way. And while Fanny may have not found widespread mainstream success, they undoubtedly blasted through a glass ceiling for women to rock. And I think that's why we call them the godmothers of, you know, rock for women. David Bowie wrote in Rolling Stone magazine, 1999, this quote, and I thought it was the perfect way to finish this episode. One of the most important female bands in American rock has been buried without a trace, and that is Fanny. They were one of the finest fucking rock bands of their time in about 1973. They were extraordinary. They wrote everything. They played like motherfuckers. They were just colossal and wonderful, and nobody's ever mentioned them. They're as important as anybody else who's ever been, ever. It just wasn't their time. Revivify Fanny, and I will feel that my work is done. And I thought that was so dang cool. And perfect. So while it may not have come in David Bowie's lifetime, I do feel like we're seeing a little bit of a reemergence of Fanny Like I said, like Carissa mentioned earlier, I heard about them through an Instagram reel, and I'm hoping this is just the start for them, because they sound so cool. (laughs) This was a great suggestion. I didn't know that you were actually going to see an all-girl band this weekend, and now Mm -hmm. I'm, like, I really need you to go and see them and then report back. Okay like the rest of the podcast and hear about it, obviously. Um, But yeah, great suggestion. Thank you. This was perfect. (laughs) So roll up those sleeves and let's get to work. Because everything's coming up rosies.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to add more rosiness to your day, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Riveting Rosies.